1: I love linking up with my former uh, classmates, my fellow Queens College alums, and uh, Ellie Zach is no exception, because Ellie, uh, he was at Queens College, he's got a great uh, perspective on a lot of different things, politics and everything, but he was caught in Tropical Storm Ida, and welcome to the podcast, by the way, Ellie, it's been a long time coming. Thanks for having me, here.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm I'm so, really here uh, to talk to me off again. air,
1: You're going to have to tell me on the air now. So <laughs> what, what happened? How did you get trapped in Hurricane Ida? Your story was pretty dramatic to be honest.
0: Yeah, so recap. Um basically I'm in school right now to become an audiologist and my school was starting last Thursday. I come on Wednesday night to get my work done, you know, just to do that sort of late minute, late last minute prep and uh get ready for the first day of school. <laughs> Um, this is around like 8 o'clock, 8.30. I start packing my stuff up to go home. When I enter the hallway, one of the pipes in the hall just burst, and the whole floor is just getting flooded. The clinic's getting flooded. I'm kind of freaking out. I didn't even know how bad this was going to be because I didn't hear anything about like this sort of storm on the radio. I was just like thinking, okay, it's it's raining, it's weather, you know, it's survivable. I look outside. I'm on the second floor overlooking the rest of this sort of like clinic building. It's a storm out there. It's a mess. I am trapped inside. I keep thinking, you know, okay, how bad can this get? Suddenly my phone goes off, as does I think everybody in the tri-state region, that a storm is coming, stay put, it's going to get worse, severe thunderstorms. It does get worse. We lose power. I'm now looking over the scene view, total blackout. And the water is rising below me, and the water is collecting above me. And I'm just thinking, well, I'm going to drown. The person next to me, what does she start doing? She starts crossing herself. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how bad of a situation I was in, but at that point, I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to (laughs) die. And, you know, I guess when panic usually sits in, the first thing we always think is, like, let's call the police. Let's call the authorities. Now, I, I'm sure by the time, like, you guys turned on the news at this point, you saw people floating on cars. All the police and, like, emergency units and everyone who was, like, helping people evacuate were so busy prioritizing those individuals. that when we called, they're like, well, are you guys inside? Okay, great. You guys got to close your head. Have a great night.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. I know. Well,
0: just like, well, we're scared, but... Um, we got and then leak. you told me
1: out there that the, that the walls were caving in, so to well, speak. They, the they,
0: well, well, the tiles from the ceiling kept falling because the water damage um, throughout the pipes were leaking, and I didn't know what was going to burst or when it was going to burst. I turned to Vanessa, who was the other person there with me, from the cleaning staff, and she remarked that, oh, the, the ceiling's going to go. Now, I'm not a roof expert, and she there working in the building for 14 years, and she told me that I was like, Huh. Well, if that goes, then I don't have anything protecting me. I got kind of scared. I, at some point, maybe like in an hour later, I decided to like waddle my way down to the first bar, which is now like a foot, maybe two of water to get to my car. My car, looking out, is just now a boat. There is (laughs) around (laughs)
1: two
0: feet of water. And you can't see the tires. It's just like, you can see basically the top of the, the top of the car, a Honda Civic, nice blue, I think 2005. I get back in thinking, okay, we're probably going to die, so let's just make the most of it. And she was freaking out because she's telling me that she has PTSD from this, uh, this elevator incident she once experienced. Now, we weren't in an elevator, but I guess, you know, being trapped in a small and close location thinking you're going to die, you know, brings people back. And I was like, okay, let's just chill. I'm like, what do you want to watch? So she goes, um, I like uh, action. I like horror. So I was like, okay. I thought The Great Intersection of Two is the movie Mad Max Fury Road. Now, I don't know if you guys have watched the movie Mad Max Fury Road. But I did not remember this in particular, but a large part of the movie is revolving around water. <laughs> and There are several scenes where water, like scenes of water just like bursting and gushing through the dam. And let me tell you, when you were literally surrounded by that same scene, it's not a comforting feel. <laughs> now, no it's yeah.
1: not. Now, no. you you you, yeah. you were also traumatized because of your car and that, right. that was the right, so this Right. So so what happens is is
0: that like as I as I mentioned earlier, I saw my car, I knew it was in that shape. But by the time, you know, you know, the water started to cool down and the parking lot became less of a pool, I decided, okay, maybe let's check on it. You know, I don't think it's going to be safe enough to go into the road. I kept hearing that there are, like, just cars abandoned on the road, and, like, there's still floods in the road, so I didn't want to drive, but I just wanted to check on my car. So I call her, and I'm like, you know what? Let's just go check out our cars. We go back downstairs. Her car is on, like, the higher-inclined part of the parking lot. She opens the door, and she goes, praise the Lord Jesus. Guess what? Her car is spotless. I'm a Jewish guy, and at that moment, I'm like, I'm screwed. (laughs) Lord Jesus is not keeping my car dry. My God is more of a guilt-ridden God. And, like, when it comes to, like, this situation, it's going to be more of, like, lessons learned. So I come over to my car, open the car door, water's coming out. It's full. And, yeah, it wasn't great. I mean, I wasn't trapped in the car, but the car kind of became a boat. Um, Yeah, I left it there. I was able to get a ride with some guy who had, like, a full wheeler an electrician guy named Corey. The guy was an angel of a man. If he ever gets close to, to his podcast through any means, Corey, you're the best. You're great. Whatever they're paying you, it's not enough. I thank you for that. He was able to drive me back. But let me tell you, driving back was his own story. Like, just the roads were pitch black. And nice. there, were just, there were just cars, just vans, just everywhere you went, just blocking up the road. It was just everyone just left. It felt like an apocalyptic movie where, like, like.
1: Day after tomorrow you know, kind of thing, too. What, like, what? Day after tomorrow kind exactly,
0: of. Exactly, right. It's, everyone, like, disappears, like, evasion of the body snatchers. It's just like, where did they go? Like, and it's the eeriest feeling. Like, you're, it's so disconcerting. But. Yeah,
1: having, having what you experienced, and I want to talk to you about the car, but sure. did that piss you off even more when you saw people driving in this thing? It was like. Those videos were ridiculous if you if you gotta catch any of those.
0: Well, we'll drive I thought I, I heard of that there were like people in canoes at some point.
1: <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, I thought
0: some of that too. Yeah, I'm like I was actually I was thinking like why would anybody take a canoe in this weather? And like I'm guessing the only reason why was like, you know, some guy bought a canoe and his wife's like, You're never gonna need that canoe. We live in New Jersey and then like the storm happened. They're like, Honey, I'm taking the canoe out <laughs> But, otherwise, like I just didn't get why people were on the road. It was just like wherever you need to go, like, couldn't it couldn't be this like this bad, like what kind of munchies do you need that that <laughs> in the middle of a storm that,
1: that you're gonna risk your life over well, exactly now, Elliot, as I said earlier you're you're a funny guy, but this this had to have traumatized you a little bit, like you can deflect with humor, but are you traumatized by this? Did you kind yeah. of get over it? Like, what, what's your well,
0: feeling? Yeah, I mean,
1: there's definitely
0: an aspect of trauma. Like, I was up the full night, and it took me a while to process it because even at the time, I was like, I could be facing death. And I don't know if you've guys ever been in this situation, but the worst feeling you can ever get is when the emotion of helplessness just washes you over. Like, the moment I was like, I can't leave this place and no one can come get me. And the situation was just getting worse on my end. I can't say I catastrophized, but I was like, you know, I could go if the roof goes. I was scared. Mm. And I don't know how people cope with trauma because, you know, everyone's different. Everyone experiences, you know, that life flashing in front of them moments. I think what made it for easier for me was being able to help somebody out through it so I didn't have to confront the dangers of the situation as much as kind of just think about helping somebody. Mm. That being said, like, there were a lot of moments throughout the weekend when I was just like just reliving the experience and remembering how
1: just scared I felt too or helpless. Well, Ellie, were you were you on the campus of Queens College with us when that tornado ripped through the college? Because that was pretty traumatic. Everybody was on the quad wondering what just blew through. I don't know if you remember that or if you were there for that. But that I was,
0: was not. Yeah, I was not on the quad that day. I do remember. I think we lost the red door. <laughs> do
1: you know which I'm talking about? I'm not sure the red door you're talking about, actually, to be Yeah. No.
0: Back Yeah, uh, no, back in the early days. Queen's College just had, like, this nonsensical door that was just on campus. It had, like, a white frame and a red door. And no one knew what it meant. Like, maybe it was some sort of art installation. <laughs> but then once, like, I think the hurricane hit,
1: like, it was just gone. So then no, picked- the tennis bubble got destroyed, too. That was wild. What else got destroyed? Well, the tennis bubble got destroyed that year, too. That was pretty wild, actually, that whole thing. Not well, cool. but- yeah. Yeah. But back to your car, because you know a lot of people have these emotional attachments to it. So were you attached to your car? Did you are you gonna miss your baby so to speak? Or what what was what's that like? So yeah,
0: as as I as I mentioned to you off air, me and my car are kind of or we kind of like in a platonic relationship. <laughs> um
1: I'm
0: not that I'm not a car guy. I kind of I like cars in a sense of like I like the fact that they can get me to where I need to go. Faster than walking, and this car—I mean, I've had a lot of memories with it. Um, so it was just more sad that like it got hit the way it did. But I wasn't like—I didn't feel like I was losing a limb. I just felt like I was losing a car.
1: <laughs> it's well, still, it's it not, it's not... I was waiting to be flying around up in the tornado when they announced. It. I'm like, you guys are gonna see one leg and two crutches flying in the air. You watch. But, oh God. Yeah. That was, didn't happen. Yeah.
0: I mean, in the moment. And by the way, like. In, in both of these moments, like, you feel really, really vulnerable because, like, until we get hit by nature, we have this sort of, like, formidable, like, view of ourselves. Like, there's sort of an illusion that we can withstand much, much of what life throws at us. And then when nature comes in and we have no defense, we're just like, oh, I guess <laughs> that's, yeah, it's like, I guess that's our limit, you know? I mean, oh, yeah, a- I know you... I like.
1: Yeah. I know you like to poke fun at the politicians, so I've got to ask. Sure. sir. Uh, they're handling of this now. They're going to do like this thirty-day response team. Can we ever really be prepared for any of this? I think that's the big million-dollar question out of IDA. I, I don't know. I have I have so many back and forth
0: thoughts about the way politicians handle these situations. I feel like a lot of what they try to do is prepare the public. And it's it's also on the back of the public to be responsible because, like, if they have the public trust, then them telling them, to, like, the public to stay inside is going to save lives. But if, like, we're in the state that we are now in which people just don't care, <laughs> I don't think they're going to be effective. I think about, like, these same sort of, like, hindsight sort of, like, motions are great because it makes them seem accountable, but... I don't know. My, my, my opinion of politicians as a whole right now is that like we just have such a distrust of them that they're just
1: not working with the people at all. And that's why it's up to us uh, to do almost everything around here. Like getting yeah. people out of the floods. I think one of the, once again, we see the community coming together and, uh, and that's a good thing as well.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I mean like, and I don't, I don't spite them, but it's like generally when, when, when you need help, it's kind of at the local level, you're going to get it. And even for me, I found some local people that were able to help, and they were just, honestly, they were much more reasonable and they were much more, like, accessible than, like, general law enforcement. I think, like, it's not to say that we we should be, a, like, factioned off, but, like, yeah, generally, you know, working on a local level is going to get you a lot more results than waiting for, like, the powers that be to respond.
1: Zach, how does this, um, Zach, Ellie, yeah, Ellie, Zach, that makes All sense. good. Uh, what... <sighs> What do people? What are people going to do now? Are we going to become like the Florida place where we board down our houses and then leave? Like, is this going to be turning into sort of what we saw in Florida and Louisiana moving forward? I I hope that
0: that that we never become Florida in any in any respect. I feel like the Tiger King State deserves its own its own borders, and I don't think we're going to be that. I feel like. Most of the New York, New Jersey mentality is like we could survive anything, and when we go through these events, it kind of just like emboldens us to feel like we're still immortal. Like I don't, I don't see lasting change for the most part. I feel like there's like a pause, and then there's just like a like a play button like within the next few months. I don't think I don't see people changing their behaviors. I feel like people like either need significant ongoing change to happen, or they're just going to be themselves. There's this sort of toughness to us. There's a good and a bad side to that, but like, even like a storm like this, I don't think like people are gonna wake up the next day and be like, I have to change myself. Instead, they're gonna be like, Well, we survived it. We're strong.
1: What you know, I you don't live in a basement apartment, right? By the way, so you're not in that category. But that that one, this whole thing is kind of wild. How the basement apartments were really affected. So I'm sure real estate's gonna change a little bit, and maybe people won't be buying you know apartments in the basement. Who knows now?
0: Uh, yeah, it's like, I'm still, I'm still hesitant because I feel like most people don't change until they know someone who's affected by it to make an influence on their decision. I live on the second floor, so I was there. I feel like if you knew somebody who literally had their basement apartment flooded and killed, you're now going to make that, like, consideration. I think for the most part, again, like, people are slow to adopt. People are slow to change. And even while they'll see something on the news, if it's not someone they know, they don't feel affected by it, for the most part. And it's like, there's a sad reality to it as well, because, you know, we should learn by others' experiences, not by just what affects us most sensitively. But at the end of the day, like, until it hits home, people don't think it's going to hit them.
1: No, you're you're absolutely right. And I can't believe it's going to be 20 years since 9-11 next week. That's just, oh, much- yeah. me. that is just unbelievable. And yeah. that affects all of us, because we either knew someone or it was our city, you know, so... That is one thing where we're all kind of pissed off about the Afghanistan thing, because we all have a vested interest in our keeping America safe, do we not?
0: Yeah, and I, you know what? I mean, if I can talk about 9/11 for a minute, uh-huh. uh, I don't, I don't know if I have. You mind if I talk about it?
1: Oh, I, I don't mind at all. I, that's why I brought you on, all these. Topics. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because 20 years is a lot, but it also shows you that there's a generation of people now who have no reference point to 9/11. Like, a lot of the teenagers, a lot of the the people in the 20s, like, they just weren't born at that point. So, like, or, or sorry, people in their 20s, obviously they are born at that point, but they just don't have more than a big memory attached to it. And, like, the, the meaning of the day is lost, but I feel like people like us who went through it, like, they realize and remember that moment. And, like, even now, it's funny because I had some classmates who immediately, when this happened, their first response was, do we have to go in tomorrow? And I mm-hmm. was thinking, like, you guys aren't nine eleven material because the kids at nine eleven had a moment when the world changed, the world shook, and they were just like taking the time to pause and
1: and reflect. They we weren't even thinking about tomorrow. We were like, what the hell's going on? Right,
0: today? right, a hundred. Like, I feel like so much of today's world is so focused on the distraction of the next that they don't take pause to think about how things affect them at a more, you know, um, mature, meaningful level. For us, like, 9-11 shaped so much of our lives, and it shaped so much of the way we look at security, freedom, trust, America. Like, it became such a defining moment. It was the moment when, like, we were awoken to the evils of the world, hitting us on our front doors, you know, coming out of the middle of nowhere in the Middle East, and making sure that, like, their sign of evil is imprinted on our consciousness. And it shook us, and it hurt us, and it made us, like, at the end of the day, feel closer together because of it. It showed us what it means to be, like, an American. And, like,
1: finally, there's not much push, there's not much division on the Afghanistan situation. Like, we're all pissed, and finally, oh, play, I'm then. glad that we're all on the same page with that, because a lot of people seem to defend their politician. At least this one, no one's defending it because they know. How deeply affected this is, uh, and it opens up a twenty-year wound. Yeah, I
0: mean, the incompetency of Joe Biden was something that we were always cognizant of. Um, I think a lot of people were giving him the benefit of the doubt because they just didn't like Trump. So they thought if we just obviously defend him for as long as possible, eventually, you know, if he does the good, like if he does what we want him to do, we'll seem like we're on the good side. The way he just completely manhandled this pullout was was just. It was unforgivable, like, and I'm glad that people on the left are holding him accountable for this because there's no partisan politics about being, like, supportive of your own country, supportive of your own troops, like, the American public, like, the American army. Those are, those are concepts that, like, shouldn't be party lines. Like, the fact that we just abandon people because, I don't know, someone decided to randomly pull out because it fit his campaign, Vague Promise, we just a slap in the face of, I think, things we should have stood for. Like, we stand together. We stand about helping people. We stand about, like, our citizens come first. We work together. We don't just act impulsively because, you know, we want to seem like the good guy and care about, like, the, uh, the far later. Like, the way he's operating is not American. And I think it should disturb anybody who has any sort of, like, American sensibilities, regardless of their political affiliations.
1: But all with Ellie, Zaki, that you did graduate Queens as well, did you not?
0: Well, I transferred to Baruch because uh, I ended up becoming a marketing major, so I was in Queens for a
1: while. Yeah, I remember you there over the years. Uh, I gotta ask you about this Friday, this past Friday though. You just see what happened Thursday night. Then it's like a beautiful day, and I think we were all kind of you know mind F- if you will. How could it be so bad one day, and then it's beautiful the next? It was such a weird almost uh what do they call those things uh that, that movie inception where it was sort of feeling like that kind of matrix like how is it bad just so bad and then so good the next day it was just you couldn't compute yeah. the two yeah
0: i mean i guess it's symbolic in a sense that like there's always a light at the end of the tunnel
1: mm.
0: you know sometimes like the darkest nights you know Seem the longest, but at the end of the, at the end of that journey, you know, comes hope for a new tomorrow. Like, and I think it's something that we should keep in mind because I think we've been going through hell for a good number of months now. Now, let's say like a year and a half, and it only feels like it's there's no hope in sight. We have new like COVID variants. We have apathy on both sides of the aisle, and like, you know, when you listen to like people speak, it just sounds like there's a sense of hopelessness and dread, but I think we could unite. I think we can get there, like come back together. Like while there was horrors in let's say 9-11, there was a lot of brotherhood that came out of it since. And I don't want us to have a common enemy to unite over, but I want us to come together as again, as a nation and be like, we're there for each other. You know, when the the challenges come, we meet them.
1: Exactly. And man, there's, there's so much we can talk about with this. But I like the, end of the light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, hopefully the vaccines work. But now, you mentioned earlier you're doing something very cool. You're in audiology. And I think uh, I think you appreciate the podcast. I mean, you obviously appreciate the medium. So why do you want to do audiology? I'm curious.
0: Oh, yeah. So audiology is a field where I get to help people. It's, uh, it's a field that's about the, um, the management and treatment of hearing loss and balance disorders. I was previously working in marketing and a lot of media. And I decided to flip my career instead of doing things that were more focused on spamming people with nonsensical ads towards helping people who needed that sort of support. uh, I now test patients. I'm able to fit them with hearing aids, being able to advise them on, you know, hearing loss strategies so they can have better communication, they can have better quality of life. And I find more meaning in that. And I don't know how most of your uh, listening audience might view or know about um, audiology, but I would say, like, it's one of those professions where, like, you can really care and show your care in the work you do. It's really rewarding, and I think, like, you know, if you hit your job, you know, think about the other options that are out there, and that could be either professionally or on the side, because there's a lot of people out there that need help, and when you send them, you give them just a little bit of your day, it means the world to them. I can't tell you the amount of times, like, I've helped people, and, like, even, like, just basic conversations, and they just end the call. Con- like they end the call by saying, "You know, thank you so much. Like, I really meant a lot to me. And I, I feel blessed to be in a field that promotes that sort of mentality, that promotes that line of work. And I, I would also advocate anybody listening to like consider the fact that there are people out there that need help. So help, well, for- yeah.
1: No, and and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but does this mean you play a role in someone? getting, like, a hearing aid and whatnot? Like, do you, you get to see those emotional moments of a kid trying on a hearing aid? Well, yeah.
0: At- so we have, we have, we do have those moments. I don't, I haven't worked out with cochlear implants, and that's where a lot of those videos come in, but we do have those moments where people come back to us because we do turn on the hearing aid. And most of their experiences, when most of have a hearing loss, is noticed in, in, the, in the world where there's a lot more challenging background noise. When you're listening to somebody in a quiet environment, there's not a lot of auditory challenges for you, so you can hold a basic conversation. Mm. So when we train them and we test them and we fit them in our small room, they don't feel a difference. But then they come back to us after two weeks of wearing it, and they give us feedback. And sometimes they have, you know, patient complaints and small nuances, but, like, I can't tell you the amount of times in which, like, they start off the conversation when we meet them and saying like you know my spouse is always telling me that the television's on too loud or the radio's on too loud or I keep asking them to repeat themselves, and then they come back in a few weeks and then you know you ask them so how's the television or how's are you finding yourself repeating yourself and most like, people don't even realize that now their new normal is enabling them to hear people and they're just like oh oh you're right
1: yeah. Well, I wonder, because I know you're a big music fan, and I feel like people listening to music through that for the first time has got to be
0: emotional. Oh, 100%. I mean, like, one of the reasons why I actually shifted this career is because people who are exposed to loud noises, especially loud music, can have permanent hearing loss. And I was thinking, you know, I want to get back to my community, my music community as well. So if I can be able to be trained and I can help musicians come in, get back their hearing status, that would be a great gift to me. And I can't tell you, I've, I've seen a lot of patients who are musicians, and it's been always, like, the best conversations because, one, they relate on the music end. Two, I give them that hearing access that they were having difficulty um, um, tapping into. And with the aids and with, like, you know, their new lease on life, they, they, they look at us and they're like, wow, thank you. Sometimes, you know, it's not perfect, fit, and hearing aids can't restore everything. It's a little bit of electronic experience, so you're not hearing the most natural sounds. But for people who have more profound deafness, or profound hearing loss, it gives them a light <laughs> a a day difference of an experience. And, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I can help anybody, and I'm also glad that I can help musicians because music's my thing. Music's, like, my real life, my real world, and if I can bring that back into my job, you know, like, it's, it's a win-win.
1: Well, absolutely, and, Ellie, I got to say, uh, we're back on Broadway now. Some shows have started to open, and as you're talking about this, I'm like, does he know what the best accessible... Hearing theaters are like I know they all make. Oh, it, but I can't. Get I don't Broadway. know
0: that. I know in certain. I know in certain. Um, I know in certain venues they they do list that information. I wouldn't know that off the top of my head, but that's a good point. Yeah,
1: And I know Broadway has been offering that for quite a few years now. So does that mean you know sign language, by the way?
0: <laughs> no, I get asked that a lot. I also get asked if I work with deaf, the deaf population. The answer to that is both no. Uh, unfortunately, that's not necessarily part of my um, <laughs> typical um, daily life. I could benefit from it in case, like, I get, you know, eventually working in a facility like the school for the deaf. But generally, most of the people we see are not deaf; they still have residual hearing. So, it's not complete deafness. It's mostly just hearing loss, and uh, I wouldn't be communicating with sign. Um, with them either. They were, although on that note, there are some patients that come in and they choose to consign. And in those cases, they usually bring an interpreter with them so we can have a fuller conversation.
1: Ellie, I've got to ask you this. Um, uh, with the hearing, case, sometimes you get this ringing from the hearing aid. Do you have any tips for people who may just, because I'm about adapting, right? So maybe someone needs to adapt to getting a hearing aid. Yeah. I mean, people are always getting different adaptations. So for someone just starting out, yeah. how do they prevent that ringing that sometimes happens in the hearing aid? Because that happens frequently, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, there are many causes of ringing. You know, without knowing a patient in specific, I can't say what the cause is. It could be just due to a bad fit. Um, maybe if they're wearing like a mold or some sort of other, like, <laughs> um, um, place around the receiver. The like the like the 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 audio is not going to be coming crisply. Um, but I would, yeah, if if you are experiencing that, that's, uh, that's a reason to go to an audiologist and being like, why am I hearing ringing? Um, mm. uh, yeah, no, that's, I mean, everyone who comes into an audiologist, you know, has a different complaint, especially because, you know, everyone is going to have different experiences. Ringing can be caused from several things <laughs> that can't diagnose over the phone without seeing a patient. I would, but I would first start by looking at the fit to make sure that, you know, know <laughs> yeah. correctly. Sometimes hearing aids don't put in, get put in correctly.
1: Right, Eli, Ellie. Oh Sir. my God! No, this is great because I, I I'm doing the questions as we're talking here. But is there a company you work for now? Because you keep saying we've been doing this. So is there a company? Is there a job? Oh Why? no no no! I just mentioned as an audiologist. We don't
0: work for. I mean, I don't work for companies. There are there are a lot of hearing aid companies, um, Phonak, Oticon, Starkey, um, that we'll be working with. Um, but they don't necessarily influence everything we do. We kind of try to talk to them as well to make sure that the patient's response and feedback we're getting should inform the way that they're obviously creating products.
1: I feel like because I always find that interesting. They're all sure. wearing earplugs anyway because they're on stage and it's loud. But yeah. is there statistics statistic that you know of that, like, musicians do go deaf? Is there stats out there about that?
0: I'm not sure. So, if you look at the literature, there's a decibel level in which a volume, uh, a degree of volume can cause deafness. Now, I think you, if you look at OSHA, um, like hearing levels, you'll see that decibel scale. And something like a 130 decibel level, which is like a rock concert level, can cause um, immediate hearing, or well, not immediate hearing loss, but hearing loss. And sometimes it can be immediate if it's extremely loud. Sometimes it can just cause it over time. I would assume if they're not wearing proper protection, there's going to be a high incident rate. And there are people that literally come to well, I, us as audiologists saying, like, oh, yeah, I noticed a difficulty hearing after I went to this big concert in the 70s. Or I had a lot of ringing in my ears after I went to, to go see Janis Joplin. It hasn't really, like, resolved since, but, like, I haven't really checked on my hearing. And, like, that's not atypical. typical. Well, <laughs>
1: So, do they develop tinnitus, or it's just as ringing from those certain events? Well, tinnitus. Well, they, well, they will have
0: tinnitus, um, and that's usually uh, it, it's usually a comorbidity. Like they usually have that with hearing loss. But some people don't notice their hearing loss until it becomes affecting their lifestyle. So they might notice the hear- like the, the the ringing in their ears, and then like they didn't notice that their hearing loss had dropped because even if it drops gradually until it's, like, in a region where you're having difficulty, you don't make the association to hearing loss. There's different types of hearing loss. It comes from mild to profound, and it affects different regions in 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 our levels of frequency hearing. So someone may have a hearing loss but not even notice it yet. It only comes, like, and to the same extent, a lot of people come to us after having hearing loss for many years, but they never really addressed it because they didn't think it was a hearing loss. Or people around them kept saying, like, you're repeating themselves, but they said, this is some compensating. It's not a big deal. So it's one of those things that most of the public is not sensitive for. They're not, like, thinking about that much. And because, like, we make adjustments to our daily lives based on the sort of disabilities or handicaps we have, unless it's something that's confronting our basic well-being, you know, we're we're not thinking
1: about it. Is there a way that, you know, people can talk to the deaf? I think in general there are so many low talkers in general, but yeah. do you find that sometimes maybe people talk loud to sort of demean a deaf person? Does that make sense? Like just to make fun of them? Or, or is oh, it good to talk loud stuff?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're deaf-deaf, I mean, you can't hear. I I would say that any way of communicating to them outside of their preferred mode of communication is, disrespectful. (laughs) So I don't, I I can't say that I would approve. And the deaf community is, I I wasn't really aware of the deaf community, but the deaf community is very um, unique in the fact that they don't really see their um, hearing status as a disability. They've kind of navigated around it. So if you kind of try to force upon them this, this hearing world, they just become more and more resistant. So if you know someone who's deaf, like let them lead you to the modes of communication that they prefer. Don't assume and don't exert yourself because they'll get offended. They don't feel like by being deaf that they're any less than you. They just feel like they're in a different world than you.
1: Um, absolutely. And and do I see? Do we see a future entrepreneur in Ellie Zach? Is he going to be an audio an audiologist practitioner? like outside of an actual company, would you start your own business?
0: Yeah. I mean, like, uh, essentially I do want to work. I, I do want to make my own private practice. Now I don't want to dis, dismay or dissuade anybody from going to an audiologist, but some audiology, some audiological practices are incentivized to sell certain amounts of hearing aids. Sometimes they are banked with the company in order to have cortisol. So if you go to certain companies like, the person on the other end of the desk wants to sell you a hearing aid because that's where they make a lot of their money. The majority of them really shouldn't, but I want to work in a capacity where I don't feel incentivized to sell hearing aids. I want a private practice where people come first (laughs) and if someone needs a hearing aid, I'll recommend it. If they don't, I won't. And if they have a working parent that could be adjusted, I'll make that sort of adjustment for them. So I want to work in a private practice that I own so I can just be my own boss and do the best work possible. I I think, you know, some professions become so polluted by, you know, the dollar incentives that they lose focus of what they were there for. And in my field as well, you know, some audiologists become... At, yeah, and I can't say that's all. Like, obviously, you know, there are good people in our field as well, but, like, there's a reality there that
1: some people work towards selling hearing aids, and that's not something I want to do. No, you want to be there for the customer because 100. Uh, percent. It just it, it's a, it's a different feel, and were you doing these classes on Zoom during the COVID pandemic? Like you've been at this for a little while now.
0: Yeah, so, so we got impacted starting February last year, and we're starting to transition back into classes now. We are mostly on Zoom, but I was also working in externships um, in person. So yeah. Thought.
1: Shoshana is coming up this week and how's COVID affected, you know, going to synagogue, going to these high holy days? Like, oh, ah, yeah. are, are you seeing a difference this year? Are you expecting a different feel this year than last?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, last year, last year was a bit of a trying time because we had a lot of our um, rabbis were older and they were really resistant, not resistant, they were really hesitant to, you know, be in public spaces because we had no vaccine, and if they got sick, they thought they would obviously, you know, be susceptible to a more severe case of COVID. And because of that, you know, some people came together. I think there were regulations on the amount of people that could congregate, and there was, like, concern that, if people can get, like, fined or the city was going to go after people because we, when it comes to Judaism, you're supposed to congregate in, with a group of 10 men or more, and I think the city made regulations about the amount of people that can come together. So it was not a great experience. There was both the fear of, you know, what the city can do in terms of taxing us or fining us and getting people sick who otherwise would be protected. I think when people are going into the High holidays this year, there's still a reverence about COVID and how it can affect us. Because personally speaking, I got COVID actually two weeks ago and I'm vaccinated. Um, and I know that we're yes. reporting in our community now that people are getting vaccinated and COVID too. So I still think people are coming in a little concerned, but like, oh, I think some of the weight has lifted. So.
1: Do you ever find yeah. uh, Rabbis, the elders do have trouble hearing. I have to ask this because you're obviously in the field. oh sure, sure. So do you yeah. think what you want to do could impact your religious community as well? Like they'll be able to oh hear- I
0: mean I'm I'm hoping to I'm hoping to be able to bring my care to to my world. Well, not my world to my community. Um, I don't think audiology is something most people know about, and I don't expect a lot of people in my community to like address that as like a first concern. So yeah, I'm sure, you know, the elder population, including, like, the rabbis, could be suffering from hearing loss, and if they had, you know, a hearing test, it could help them. I also want to work with the schools if I could, because a lot of kids with hearing loss get missed, and, you know, being there for my community is something that I'm committed to, so.
1: And I know that over here, kids have just missed out on speech and hearing, um, because, I mean, this is just, it's devastated a lot of different progress made in 19. It's just, it, it's got to rebound um, pretty quick. One last thing I ask, because obviously people were in the water not by choice this past week, and they <laughs> may. Do you see a flooding like this as potential for literal hearing loss? Is there when, when we go into these things? I there... don't.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that will. I don't think the waters were loud enough. I don't know if like. I mean, you, you could have something like a. Sometimes when people get sick, if there's some infections, like you could have a conductive hearing loss, which means, uh, you know, the area in the air canal leading up into the cochlea, like the eardrum and the eustachian tube, if they are damaged, you could have difficulty hearing. Maybe that could happen in certain cases, but, like, I don't think that would be a direct result for much of what people experience. I, I think they probably can get other problems, but
1: I don't think hearing would be the top of their list. This conversation made me want to research this more because... I often know that people are being rescued in the water, and who knows how deep they were actually before being rescued. It's just frightening to think about, and now there's another element to that because they may need, you know, people <laughs> in higher areas where the water is so high may need hearing ad- adaptations because of those hurricanes. Yeah,
0: but we also don't know what else they we were exposed to. I mean, bringing back to nine eleven, you know, first responders were told that, like, the city was sanctioned, you know, they got lung cancer because they were exposed to the fumes. Like, I don't know what's in these waters, and I don't know. This is, again, non-medically speaking. I don't know who who was in it and what was in it. So maybe there's – maybe people who either, like, swallowed some or got in their system should, mm. check that, should get themselves checked out. Sure. Because,
1: yeah, it's probably not safe, so. I mean, yeah. for inspiration, They're like, obviously it's the music and everything, but is there a specific person that inspired you to get into audiology? Uh, my dad <laughs> my
0: dad Uh, I was uh, I was at when I was in marketing I wasn't necessarily satisfied with what I was doing and I asked well I asked a lot of people around me like their advice for careers are be meaningful and he's like audiology has a great work-life balance it's got great satisfaction and you get to work with people and help people I was like okay I put that in my back pocket for a few years and then when I was actually at the point where I was burnt out entirely from marketing I took, I took his suggestion back up, started shadowing, started finding out more about the field, and I loved it. So thank you, Dad. You were a great inspiration. You were great
1: motivation, and I thank you for helping me get into the field of my choice. Well, that's really, really um, heartwarming there. And I was going to say, uh, any word to the wise, never ask a deaf person, are you listening? I feel like people have a tendency to say that to anybody, yet it affects someone who's deaf when they hear something like that.
0: Yeah, don't assume. If you're with somebody and you don't know what to do, like, ask. Mm. Especially if you have someone who's deaf, don't make your own judgment call. It might be an insult.
1: And I'm sure you've gotten more immersed into this uh, as you've gone along. So uh, keep us updated. And I'm going to do some research on this because I have a friend who has hearing aids. We all have friends that have it. And maybe if we know more about it we can be better friends to them.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and as as I would say, like a status quo. If you're ever unsure about how to treat somebody else, just ask them. You know, and in a polite, respectful way.
1: Polite well, and respectful, where is that? I mean, uh, <laughs> <feel like> <laughs> that. Um but, you know, that's just that's just not existent at the moment at some point. Yeah, right? it's a little bit old fashioned. Ellie, when you when you do get more involved with this, come back. Tell us more about this because, as you know, adapting with Alex Garrett. All right. Yeah. Up well, so thanks thanks talk-
0: for having me on the podcast. It was great to catch up with you, and uh, I'll see you around Penn Station.
1: <laughs> yeah, really, though. All right. I'm Alex Garrett. <laughs> thanks, Eli, Ellie, Zach, for joining me, audiologist in training. And as for me on this podcast, we're always adapting. Talk to you soon.